You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a cool project that my friends over at the Sex Information and Education Council of Canada, or CCAN, are doing. And you'll want to listen closely, because this project is all about sex. CCAN is developing resources for service providers to improve sexual health promotion for autistic and disabled youth, and they need your help. If you are a service provider like a teacher, doctor, occupational therapist, physical therapist, speech-language pathologist, social worker, personal support worker, or maybe you work in the community, they want to hear from you. They want to know what you need to promote sexual health with the autistic and disabled youth you support. Go check out the online survey they're doing right now at www.inclusivesexualhealth.ca. But CCAN doesn't just want to hear from service providers. Are you an autistic and disabled person between 16 and 24 years old? CCAN is doing focus groups between September 20th and September 23rd to learn about the sexual health information and resources that would be most helpful to you. Maybe you have an interesting or awkward dating or relationship experience you want to tell them about. Or maybe you have some tips for service providers you want to share. Go to www.ccan.org and scroll down to the latest news to get more info. 
You can also email inclusivesexualhelp at ccan.org to learn more about the project. And not to worry, listeners, all of this information will be available in the show notes of today's episode. And now, on to the show. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your deliciously disabled daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get that popcorn ready. Get that popcorn ready to throw at the screen because this episode's going to be a doozy of I have feelings about this episode. Wow, get ready. Let's Let's start the show, shall we? Just a quick reminder that if you want to support Disability After Dark, you can leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, or you can pledge the show as little as $1 a month to get the show one day early or completely ad-free, and you'll get a shout-out from me on the air. So, we've switched our days around. Now you'll hear the episodes on Sundays, and you'll get the one-day one day before ad-free episode on Saturdays if you... Sign up to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Please consider supporting the show if you can. I run and create the show completely by myself, and I would love your support. So consider doing that if you can to get the show one day one day early, completely ad-free, and a shout-out for me. So that'd be great. On the episode today, we're, we're continuing our month-long themed theory, our themed theories, I can't talk, our themed series where we're doing one whole month of Great Flicks and Joysticks where I review films and media that have to do with disability and I talk about them and I break them down for you and I do all that stuff. This episode today should be called, I Watch That Ableist Piece of Trash So You Don't Have To. I have such feelings about this film today, so many feelings, I didn't even know where to start with you on how much I really didn't like this movie, and I have so many feelings from the very first frame of the film. The movie we're watching today is Pumpkin, and it's an indie, it was billed as a dark comedy, it's a 2002 dark comedy starring Christina Ricci and having a little guest spot by Amy Adams. And it's really, it's about a sorority girl who falls in love with a, quote, 
mentally challenged person is how they refer to him. Really, they should just say he has intellectual disabilities. But they never really say what his disabilities are. And the whole movie made me cringe from start to finish. So basically, I watched this ableist piece of trash so you don't have to. But if you want to hate watch this movie with me, you can find it on Apple TV or... In Canada, I I rented it and bought it on Amazon Prime. So if you're in Canada, you can watch it on Amazon Prime and rent it for like five bucks. So if you want to hate watch it with me, you can start there. I'm going to play the trailer and then um, we'll dive into how much I hated the movie Pumpkin. It's horrible. I can't tell you. Are you having mental problems? High anxiety? Manic episodes? Not exactly. I'm afraid I'm falling in love. I don't want to. Love is not such a bad thing. He's mentally retarded. How retarded? Throw it! Retarded, retarded. Is there anything you want to tell me about him? No. Is this person Chinese, African, or worse, Jewish? Mother. He's in the Challenge Games, and I'm his mentor. He has this beautiful soul. You are my friend. What has gotten into Pumpkin? She seems to have inspired him. He went on quite a date yesterday. It is improper to fraternize with the recipients of our charity. You're in love with him, aren't you? No! Yes, you are! No, no, no! Yes, yes, yes! Yes! United Artists presents the challenging love story of a pumpkin. You two are not appropriate couple. That turned into a prince. Pumpkin's not going to sit in the back of the bus anymore. I hear those kind of people are very easily aroused. Those are not what challenged athletes think about. Holy pumpkin. I've heard about guys losing their cheeks to lesbians, but, uh... Well, the retarded boy must be like some kind of Superman. He's mad enough to take my girl, then he's mad enough to fight me. I must have been on the training. Christina Ricci, Hank Harris, and Brenda Blethyn. Why should anything be horrible or ugly? Why can't everything be beautiful and perfect? Oh, oh, oh! You make me... Pumpkin. Life isn't as easy as I thought. Yes, it is. Wow, even the trailer was super ableist. A challenging love story between a pumpkin that turns into a prince. What the fuck was that? Ew, like, ew! Ew. This is so much proof that that this movie is going to be full of ableist trash. And believe me, oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there right now. And I should warn you, listeners, this movie uses slurs against disabled people consistently, I'm going to use the slur in context of what I watched, just so we're clear. The slur is the R-word. I'm going to say the R-word when I go to use the slur. I'm going to try really hard not to say (laughs) the word. I'm going to try really hard not to say the word in full because I don't want to trigger the listeners and I feel like that word is wrong and we should not use that word to describe anyone. Uh, and so I'm, when I, when I speak about the word, I'm gonna use the word. I'm gonna use the R word as the language that I use to describe the word. But they use this, this word repeatedly throughout the film and 
if you have a problem with that or that makes you uncomfortable, I uh, just want to let you know because it's really, it really made me uncomfortable too and I wanted to bring it up. So just be aware. But let's, uh, let now with that in hand, let's, uh, get started watching this ableist trash fire of pumpkin right now. So the very first scene we see our main character, Carolyn McDuffie, played by Christina Ricci, who is currently in that show Yellow Jackets, was in Casper, was in the Adams family. We see her and she is part of a sorority. Alpha Omega Pi, and she's talking to the pre- the president of the sorority who wants to beat the opposing sorority, and they decide to sponsor a charity by supporting the, get ready for the ableism, here it is in the first frame, by supporting the challenged games. Ew. Why would they call it that? Why wouldn't they even call it the Special Olympics? Like, or something, you know, similar to that, or like, the Disabled Games. Ew! The Challenge Games. So anyway, this sorority wants to support and win Sorority of the Year by sponsoring the Challenge Games. And the president says right away that we're gonna, we're gonna be helping a lot of special people this year. And we're gonna, we're gonna win Sorority of the Year by doing that. And it was really cringeworthy right away. Like, and that was within the first two minutes of watching. Now, I thought that the film was set in the 70s or 80s because they use big phones and they have weird hair and the cars look a bit older. So I thought maybe it was set in the 70s or 80s. I couldn't find out. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find out whether it was set in the 70s or 80s, but it looked like it was. So that might have impacted how we think of people with disabilities back then because 40 and 50 years ago, we had different language to describe disabled people. Not that it was right or correct, but we had different language that we used to describe disabled people. So I thought maybe that's what, that's why that was happening, but I wasn't sure. And so we can also tell that our main character, Carolyn, is very well-to-do. She's very well-off. She comes from a rich, privileged family. She's very, very privileged. So Carolyn is talking to the president of the sorority and they say, oh, let's go meet our diversity girls. And they talk about how they're going to have a black girl and they're going to have a Filipino girl and they're going to have all these different types of girls rush to be part of the sorority. And I just thought, wow, it's so racist too. So racist and already so ableist. Wow. So then the sorority girls are talking and Carolyn thinks that the sorority shouldn't support those people because those people are so different. And the sorority also refers to intellectually disabled people as the unfortunates. And like, there's so much ableism and we're already only eight minutes into this film. And like, they've already said horrible things about disabled people already. And I just, it made me cringe so much. And I just thought, who the fuck thought this movie was okay? And then, so the sorority girls continue talking about supporting the challenge games, and they say that those people are easily aroused, and that the girls better take precautions if they're going to help those people at the challenge games, because those people can get easily aroused. And I was like, whoa, the sexual ableism is 100% realistic here, and the myth that intellectually 
disabled people are hypersexual is a common one, and I wanted to break that down a little bit. So let's do that for a second. I had trouble finding a particular article, but a lot of articles said one of the major myths around sexuality and disability, in particular for people with intellectual disabilities, was that they were hypersexual or sexually inappropriate. And so when the girls say, you better be careful, those people have been known to be, to be overly sexual, you know that they're making a nod again to ableist assumptions about disability. And, and this, you know, given that the, these sorority girls are very well to do and, and have nothing to do with disabled people outside of, outside of the, the games and they have no education around disability, them holding this mythos would make sense. Not that it's right, it just makes sense in the context of this really poorly put together film. So then each sorority girl of whatever the sorority is called, which I already can't remember, each sorority girl is given a, quote, challenged athlete to pair up with. They pair up with a challenged athlete, and every time I hear the word challenged athlete, I want to barf, gross. And Carolyn gets Pumpkin as her challenged athlete. And Pumpkin is a tall, red-haired guy who who um, has disabilities. And so as you see the athletes come to the sorority to meet their, to pair off with their sorority girls, as the, as the athletes get off the bus to meet the sorority girls, there is this slow, foreboding, mysterious, almost bad music, and a slow camera shot to denote that these people are different, these people are disabled, these people are not of the same caliber as the sorority girls, and it made me really annoyed because I couldn't tell if they were being satirical or they were being serious, and part of me thinks, most of me thinks, they were being serious. Ugh, it's so bad. So then they do a slow shot to Pumpkin getting out of the bus and going down a ramp in his power wheelchair. And one of the girls sees him and and runs off screaming and is like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I can't do this, I can't do this. Bye, and she runs away out of fear. And this shows the audience that there are some people who can't handle disability and I, you know, looking back and I do think it is kind of funny because there are a lot of people who act weird like that when they see somebody with a disability. They get all strange. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to interact. And it is kind of funny. So if this was a dark comedy, that scene was sort of hilarious. So Carolyn, the sorority girl, gets paired with Pumpkin, the challenge athlete. I don't know why they call him Pumpkin. His real name is Jesse, which you find out right at the end. And I don't know why they call him Pumpkin. It sort of annoys me because they infantilize him the whole film. They they only call him Pumpkin. And I don't like that because it's showing that he... It's showing that they don't treat him with respect. Why do they call him his real name? Did he choose the name Pumpkin? Or did they choose that name for him? And it was just... I didn't. I don't like it. It was weird. It was weird the whole time. So Pumpkin is a shot putter, and that's what Pumpkin does at the challenge game. And so Carolyn and Pumpkin start training and doing shot put together, and you can tell Pumpkin is nervous. 
He's nervous around Carolyn, and Carolyn doesn't understand why Pumpkin won't talk. And they never explain what kind of intellectual disability Pumpkin has, but I think he, you know, he, I think it is assumed that he has some sort of intellectual disability that makes it hard for him to vocalize and speak a lot, although he does talk a little bit throughout the film. And so Carolyn keeps saying, you know, talk to me, tell me, tell me about yourself. And he won't talk because he's nervous. And, and Carolyn is a pretty girl, so he's nervous to talk to her. And so he doesn't talk for like five minutes. And Carolyn freaks out and is like, why won't you talk to me? And she calls the teacher over and says like, hey, can I get someone else? This isn't working out in front of Pumpkin. And the whole thing is just so cringy. Like, oh, God. And then Pumpkin says Carolyn's name and is like, Carolyn. And she's like, whoa! And she runs away, like, screaming. And it's really weird. And I think so many movies about disability do this. They show the disabled person as being someone that the main character can't get along with. And they show them as being scary at first. And then, you know, over the arc of the film the able-bodied person starts to slowly see them as human. And that's totally what they do here. That's completely the trope they employ for this film. And frankly, like 12 minutes into the film, at this scene, I was so angry already. I was like, oh my god, I know what they're going to do here, and I can't deal with it. So Carolyn's in her dorm room looking at the picture of Pumpkin, and they play slow, ominous music underneath suggesting somehow that Pumpkin is like this dangerous figure or this bad figure. And they really play into the idea that disability is scary, disability is evil, disability is dangerous through their music choices, and it really bothered me. Again, because it's a dark comedy, they could be trying to play with that idea, but it didn't feel that way to me. So she's in her dorm room with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend's name is Kent. And he's a preppy asshole, like, really good-looking preppy frat boy. Really, like, he's a star of the tennis team. He's really hot. But his character here was a fucking asshole. And her, she's telling him about Pumpkin and how she, she can't stop thinking about him. But how it's weird and how he's a lot and how he won't talk to her. And her boyfriend says, These people, gross are just like you and me. And he was the only one after 15 minutes of the film being on who made any sense and who was like, they're just like you and me, they're human beings, why are you being so weird about this? And then Carolyn says back to him, you have no idea how horrible it was out there, how horrible it was to be with him. Uh, what was horrible? You had to be with a disabled person for five minutes and show him what to do? What was horrible, Carolyn? What was so bad about it? That you had to look at a disabled person? That you had to spend time with somebody with intellectual disabilities? Wow, there was so much ableism and I got so angry. Because they're making it all about her. And they're making it all about her discomfort around him. And it just makes me... It made me... It made my skin boil that the film was not centered around Pumpkin, the disabled person. The film was centered around... Carolyn, the able-bodied, privileged white girl who who can't deal with her own ableism. Ew. 
So then we see Pumpkin getting ready for the games with another challenged athlete named Hanzi, and they they kind of are are bickering with each other, and the two mothers of the disabled athletes, Pumpkin's mother and Hanzi's mother, they have this weird passive-aggressive fighting about which son is better, about which disabled son is better, and which disabled person person's son is going to win the challenge games or some bullshit. And <coughs> it's really, really, again, centered around not so much the disabled people, but the able-bodied people that have to deal with the disabled people and how it makes them look in terms of their image. I think that's an important point. A lot of able-bodied people worry about how disability is going to make them look and how disability is going to affect them. And they never really think about how disability is going to affect the disabled person living with living the experience, living through the experience. So if this was to be considered a black comedy, which I don't think it is, I think so far it's an ableist piece of trash, I can see what they might have been trying to do. But you can also tell right away that this film was not created by or in consultation with anybody with a disability because it's all centered around the able-bodied people and I can't deal with it. It makes me it makes me so angry even to re-talk about it as I'm reviewing the film. So Pumpkin starts getting better at shot put for Carolyn because he apparently has a crush on Carolyn. But again, at this point in the movie, we've only seen them together for about 0.2 seconds. So I have no idea how he would have a crush on her, but apparently he has a crush on her. Um, and he gets better at shot put and he, he trains better and he wants to get better for Carolyn. Again, they've only been on screen together for about 0.3 seconds. It's really weird. The pacing in this film and the quickness with which they formed their relationship was really off-putting and really, really strange. So then after Carolyn does more shot put with him, Carolyn and another sorority sister talk about how they're going to quit helping at the games and how those people feel worse around being around normal people. And I just, the way they accentuated normal and those people, every five seconds in the film made me want to scream. It was so, it was so, so upsetting. So then Pumpkin and Carolyn do more training for the challenge games outside one day and Pumpkin tells her, tells Carolyn that she's beautiful and that he likes her. But again, they've only been on film for like 0.4 or 5 seconds together. The, the pacing here is really, really strange. And then they have a weird montage of them doing all these sports together and practicing sports, which I guess is supposed to denote in the film that time has passed. And they must have been have spent a lot of time together. Although we, as an audience, never see that happen, so it feels very out of place. Carolyn then becomes obsessed with Pumpkin and wants to know him, but assures herself and everybody else around her that it's these are not romantic feelings that she has for him, and that she doesn't want anything to do with him. But she can't stop thinking about him. And I feel like this happens to a lot of non-disabled people. They go through these waves of discomfort and all these feelings when they encounter a disabled person, especially around the prospect of possible romance. They have to, like, 
at first convince themselves that they couldn't possibly have romantic feelings for a disabled person because, oh my god, that would be wrong, right? And so I think a lot of disabled people go through this, like, they want to get to know the disabled person, they're very curious, they're very kind, but it couldn't possibly be romantic feelings they're having. No way. So then one day, outside of their training, Carolyn takes Pumpkin out for an outing because, quote, he is a mystery, and with just a little bit of love, he could flourish. Again, the screams of, like, being ableist because she is going to be, what, the able-bodied hero that makes Pumpkin flourish, that makes Pumpkin a better person, that makes that, her, or will, will Carolyn helping him make her look better to the sorority sisters. Ultimately, you see that she wants to make Pumpkin her project, and that pissed me off, because it was like they were trying to do a really a really ableist version of, like, She's All That, where the, the non-disabled person wants to make the disabled person their project. It was really kind of gross. So, Carolyn takes Pumpkin, her boyfriend Kent, and her friend, played by the awesome Melissa McCarthy. Although, I am judging Melissa McCarthy a little bit for being in such an ableist piece of trash. But she takes the four of them to the beach. So, Carolyn takes Kent, Pumpkin, and Melissa McCarthy to the beach. She didn't ask him if he wanted to go to the beach. She just kind of said, I'm taking you to the beach, we're going to the beach. Which, again, feels super ableisty because... They never ask Pumpkin what he wants to do. They just tell him throughout the whole movie what he's doing. And I, don't, I didn't like that at all. He's, just because he's intellectually disabled doesn't mean he doesn't have agency and he doesn't have the right to say, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. And it pissed me off a lot. So, Carolyn tells Melissa McCarthy that Pumpkin is different and that he has a deep soul and then they're gonna they're gonna be so well for each other. And there's so much fucking inspiration porn because we as an audience have only seen Carolyn speak to Pumpkin about two times. So how would we know that he's different and has a deep soul? And I feel like a lot of non disabled people will use this inspiration porny thing when they talk about us. They'll say we're amazing, they'll say we're beautiful when they've barely gotten to know us because they want to assume that because we're disabled, therefore we must be these angelic, cherubic figures. And they really, really lean into the inspiration porn here. There's so much fucking inspiration porn in the first 20 minutes of this film. And it doesn't go away. It only gets so much worse. So, Carolyn doesn't tell Melissa McCarthy that Pumpkin is disabled. And... So they're all at the beach, they're all hanging out, and somehow they managed... Pumpkin uses a power wheelchair sometimes. He's an, he's an ambulatory wheelchair user. He uses a power wheelchair sometimes. Sometimes they... Man, so they managed to get Pumpkin's wheelchair into Carolyn's hatchback car, which just feels really unrealistic because how the fuck would you get a power wheelchair into a hatchback car? That's just not... That would never happen. And they also managed to get the chair onto the beach, which also would never happen. So many beaches, this is set in LA, so many beaches are inaccessible, just completely inaccessible. So the fact that they have him on the beach in his wheelchair is just not, 
just not realistic at all. So there they are at the beach, and when Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy's character realizes that Pumpkin is disabled, she gets up and runs away crying. She freaks out, and everybody runs after her, and she goes to the car crying. And then Carolyn says, well, you know what it's like. You're a fat person, so you understand how rejection works. And so, like, there's so much fat phobia. There's ableism. There's... um so much discrimination coming from Carolyn, who, again, is supposed to be our... She's supposed to be the hero character, the one that we root for, and I, I just couldn't stand her. Couldn't stand her character at all. She was literally the worst character out of all of them. I don't know why... I don't know what Pumpkin sees in her, but she's a horrible person. So then she drives Melissa McCarthy home, because Melissa McCarthy is upset that how dare she take her on a date with a disabled person. How dare she? And so she realizes that she forgets Pumpkin at the beach, and he just sits in his wheelchair and stays there while she drives Melissa McCarthy home. And I was kind of upset about that because a, a real portrayal by an, an actually intellectually disabled person, w they would know something is wrong. They would know someone has left them there. They would know they wouldn't want to be left alone. They would speak up and say... I don't want to sit here on the beach by myself while this girl disappears. And they would make it known that what happened isn't okay. I think the creators do a real disservice to people with intellectual disabilities here. And I found it that scene in particular extremely upsetting. As she goes to get Pumpkin off the beach because she forgot him there. How horrible that she forgot him there. She tells him that he's a beautiful soul... And asks him, how do you stand the pain? I guess she's talking about the pain of disability. She says she feels shattered by him. But again, nothing tragic has happened here. No big incident has occurred. Like, they've only talked for five seconds. Pumpkin says to her that feeling shattered is how pain feels. And he says, Carolyn, you're smart. And Carolyn says, my pain is only a tiny fraction of what you feel. As in, like, being disabled must be so hard for you. And she says that she feels closer to him. But again, they've only been on screen. I'll say it again. They've only been on screen. If you're watching along, you'll see they've only been together for five fucking minutes. It's really weird. Um, so I felt like they were really trying to force a relationship between these two characters where at this point, there isn't one. So then, Carolyn's sorority sisters find out that she hung out with Pumpkin, and they decide to kick her out of the sorority. I don't know why they would want to do that. Wouldn't they be proud that Carolyn wants to befriend Pumpkin and wants to, do, wants to give back to the disabled community? Why would they kick her out of the sorority? It's very weird. So they kick her out of the sorority, and then she's walking around, feeling upset that she got kicked out. She's really sad. And the sorority sisters make fun of Carolyn and call Pumpkin this little R-word boy. And this made me angry. It was 2002 when they, when they shot this film. There was no need for that kind of language to be in the film. And the filmmakers shouldn't have known better. And had they consulted with somebody with intellectual disabilities, they would never have allowed the R-word to be used so freely and so flippantly as it has been in this film. I swear to you, they use it about 25 times. 
I sort of counted at least between 15 and 25 times they say the R word. And it made me so upset the whole time. So she's been kicked out of the sorority for hanging out with Pumpkin. And the movie basically shows that since she got to know Pumpkin, the disabled guy, her life starts falling apart. And her life starts becoming the worst and she starts losing all her friends and all the respect of the sorority. And they're really kind of showing that by hanging around with a disabled person, her life has become worse. And so there's this weird, like, third, third, or like secondhand ableism of like, because she's friends with a, an intellectually disabled person, her life is worse. And if she just wasn't his friend, she'd be okay. Like, that just feels, it just felt really weird. And they were making it all about her and all about her experience of trying to tackle her own ableism as opposed to doing anything with the, with the disabled character and giving him any kind of agency to be himself. And I found that throughout the whole film, I found that trope to be utterly infuriating. So Carolyn's life is falling apart and she's all upset because she's losing all her friends. And so she goes to counseling and she sits down with the counselor and she says, and the counselor says to her, who's a guy, the counselor says, are you having feelings for any non-traditional subject? And they don't, they don't say pumpkin here, but they're clearly talking about pumpkin. And Carolyn says, well, not exactly. And I just found it interesting that there are so many ways in this movie that they pussyfooted around talking about disability. They pussyfooted around talking about, about saying the word disabled. And you can tell that there was nobody behind the camera with a disability. There was nobody consulted with a disability. And it just made it that much more atrocious, I think, that this film was allowed to go. It should not have been allowed to be made, quite frankly. So Carolyn continues to worry that she's falling in love with Pumpkin and then it's ruining everything. It's ruining her whole life. And I wonder if she had fallen in love with an able-bodied guy in this kind of film about sororities, would her life be ruined? Probably not. There would be no storyline there. But because he's disabled, her love, her loving him is this, like, big problem. And the fact that they might be in love is problematic. And I just... When I, when I kept seeing that throughout the film, I wanted to just be like, fuck off. This is a horrible thing to put on film. And it's horrible to make the idea of her falling in love with him this big, tragic problem. Not because he's disabled, but because him being disabled would somehow disrupt her perfect little life. Ew. So the next scene I thought was important was Pumpkin is caught looking at erotic magazines. And he's looking at them. He's looking at girls kind of in bikinis. And his mom catches him and says, Those are not for little boys. And Pumpkin retorts to her and says, I'm not a boy. I'm a man. And his mother says, Yes, but you're a special man. And says that this kind of stimulation isn't good for him because he doesn't have natural restraints. And I just... So much sexual ableism here. And it made me think of... The episode we did probably a couple years ago where we talked about parents who wanted to sterilize their disabled children because they were worried that their disabled children couldn't control themselves. And this scene in Pumpkin made me think of that. Disabled people do have natural restraints, do have restraint, 
do have agency, but they need to be educated properly on sex and sexuality from a disabled-centric lens to properly understand. And intellectually disabled people need to need sex education that is given to them by intellectually disabled people. And just to see them, the mother tell him that he's a special man and tell him that he didn't have restraint, the sexual ableism is brimming over in this scene, and it makes me so angry. His mom tells him that he and Carolyn live in different world, worlds, and I think we see this a lot from from parents and guardians of people with intellectual disabilities, where they don't know how to let their disabled child go and let them grow up and let them try things and let them fall on their face and let them be disabled adults. And I think I think what the mother is showing is very real, true to life of parents of disabled kids who are afraid to let go of the reins because they've had to take care of them and because they've had to protect them from from just the world. I think it is scary for a lot of parents, especially for parents of intellectually disabled people. If you're listening and you are a parent to an intellectually disabled person, I would love to chat with you about this, about some of these feelings and whether or not you experience them. So be in touch with us, please. Email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. I'd love to chat with you. So then there are a bunch of points in the movie. Oh, Carolyn and Pumpkin are told they're not, they're not allowed to work together anymore. The sorority girls and Pumpkin's mother decide they want to keep the two of them apart. And so they can't work together anymore. So they get, they get paired up with different people. Um, and there are so many moments in the film where Carolyn professes all these different changes in her life because of Pumpkin. But we're an hour into the movie now and we've barely seen Pumpkin and Carolyn together. We've still only seen them together in a, in scenes a handful of time. So Carolyn goes to her boyfriend Kent's tennis match and he loses his tennis match and gets mad at her because she's spending time with that R word. He actually says she's spending time with that fucking retard and I hated hearing this. Um, and I hated hearing this language and Carolyn slaps him when he says that and I thought good for you Carolyn no one should use that language it's inappropriate and again 2002 we should not be talking about this about intellectually disabled people like this so Kent says to her you're dating that effing R word Carolyn slaps him and then Carolyn says I can't bear the thought of being in love with him and Ken says, oh, I can see you wheeling him down the aisle at your wedding. And I thought, that would be so cool. Why is that a problem? I would love my spouse to wheel me down the aisle or someone that I cared about to wheel me down the aisle. If I, if I ever do get married and I'm ever able to surpass the archaic laws that mean that disabled people can't get married, I would love for somebody to wheel me down the aisle. I think that'd be great. So Kent, I don't know what you're talking about, but I would love that. So then Carolyn breaks up with Kent after this and she they go their separate ways. And later that night, Carolyn knocks on Pumpkin's window. She comes in and tells him to hold her. Again, they've barely spoken to each other. This relationship is so weird. <laughs> um, Pumpkin is then made 
the Challenge Game spokesperson, and his mom runs in the room to tell him this news, and she catches him and Carolyn in bed together. She finds them sleeping together, and she says, and trigger warning, I'm going to use some spicy, some triggering language here. She says, you've raped my son. And I was like, whoa, whoa, just because he's intellectually disabled and they have sex doesn't mean that he was abused, doesn't mean that she was abused. And I think the the connections they make between intellectually disabled people having sex with somebody and the, the able-bodied person abusing them or raping them is wrong, really inappropriate. And I think even for a dark comedy, that's inappropriate. But I also think what she says, what the mother says, is probably very true to life. A lot of, again, a lot of parents are overprotective of their disabled children. And I think this is proof of that. Also, if you're an intellectually disabled person and you want to come on the show, I would love to speak with you to talk about some of these themes um, and just talk about your experience to make sure that you have a spa- have a place to talk about all this stuff because I am not an intellectually disabled person and I would love to to have you be a part of the show. So consider coming on if you'd like to. So when the sorority girls find out that Carolyn slept with Pumpkin, they kick Carolyn out of the sorority, um, and then she's 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 leaving the sorority. She has all her stuff in a suitcase, and she's crying. And she goes home, and she sees her mom. And Carolyn's mom assumes that Pumpkin raped Carolyn. And again, I just felt like the sexual ableism is rampant here, just because. Just because Pumpkin is intellectually disabled doesn't mean he couldn't consent, doesn't mean he abused anyone, and the implication in this film, I think, is lazy, I think it's dangerous, and frankly, I think even if it is a dark comedy, I think it's kind of disgusting. Carolyn, crying to her mother, insists that her sexual relationship with Pumpkin was consensual, and her mom says, oh no, it's just a phase. Like, I'm sorry, do you go through a having sex with disabled guy phases? Because I didn't realize that that was a phase. Um, if anybody has ever thought that, that's really weird and you're wrong. It's not a phase. Disabled people, intellectually disabled people and physically disabled people are sexual beings. We're hot and we can make people attracted to us by being awesome, and that's what apparently happened here. The whole assumption from the parents that it's abuse or sexual assault is really, 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 really problematic, and I don't even know if the if the director or the executive producer of the film realize how dangerous some of these mythologies they're playing with are. So then we see Kent, Carolyn's ex-boyfriend, in a weirdly homoerotic shower scene. Um, and the guys in the shower make fun of him for dating a guy, for losing his, his girlfriend to an R-worded person. Um, and then Kent is so upset about this. Kent goes to the rival sorority and there's a montage of him sleeping with all the pretty girls at the rival sorority because he can't deal with the fact that his girlfriend left him for a disabled person, which, like, okay, 
like toxic ableism much like wow um toxic masculinity mixed with ableism wow um and so after they're done fucking one of the sorority girls says that little r-worder boy must be some kind of superman which i was like ew why are you perpetuating the narrative that disabled people are both pitiable and superhuman at the same time like you've unlocked a double ableism with that comment gross Gross. In the next scene, the sorority girls from the other sorority put a wheelchair parking sign on the door of Carolyn's sorority, and on the sign they put, For a good time, park here. And frankly, I think that sign's awesome. I would love a sign on me that said, Hey, for a good time, park here. I think that's an awesome joke. And I know they were trying to be edgy, but actually... It was kind of funny, but not for the reasons they thought it was. Like, it wasn't... It was just kind of silly. So after fucking all the girls, Kent goes over to Carolyn's sorority and says he wants her back, he wants to be with her, she's the only one he wants, blah, blah, blah. And Carolyn, feeling so upset that her life's up, upside down now that she's met this disabled guy she's so upset that she tries to overdose she overdose there's a scene where she tries to overdose on all the pills in her medicine cabinet but particularly she overdoses on NyQuil because she can't bear the thought of losing all her privilege and being with Pumpkin like okay this I that scene where she tries to kill herself because she's feeling love for a disabled person I mean it was a nice twist on you know, at least it wasn't the disabled person that wanted to kill themselves. It was the able-bodied person wanting to kill themselves because they couldn't get over their own ableism. So yeah, in terms of like weird disability tropes, at least they tried to go another way. But also, what the fuck? So Carolyn tells her mom how pure Pumpkin is. Oh, so gross. Like it just keeps the, the ableist hits just keep on coming with this film. It's just so, so horrible. And, and Carolyn's mom says that they have to forget that any of this ever happened. And she has to forget that she ever spent time with him. And she goes, I know, mom, I know. And so all her friends tell her that they want her back in the sorority. There will be no repercussions for what she did. And that no one's perfect. And it's okay that... Um, she did this, but they want her back, and she can start dating Kent again, and everything is fine, and don't worry about it. Pumpkin tries to steal his mom's car with a picture for Carolyn, and tries to drive to see her, but he crashes the car gently into one of the mailboxes, and realizes that because he's intellectually disabled, he's unable to drive. And then the next scene is, Pumpkin's mom is like, oh, you cost me $1,400 for crashing the car. And Pumpkin says, Mom, I'm not retarded, and I'm not special. And then his mom gives a big, long speech about what she wishes he could do. She wishes he could drive. She wishes he could date Carolyn. She wishes he could do all these things. And you can tell that he's she's not giving this speech for her son, but she's giving the speech to talk about how his disability has affected her, 
and his disability has made her life harder and it just it made me want to throw up multiple times it's like wow this movie is all about these fucking able-bodied people and their privilege and how privileged they are and how disability is disrupting their perfect privilege and it made me just want to fucking scream ew ew so kent and carolyn are back together at the big sorority formal um and they're dancing together everything is fine they're back to their perfect little life and pumpkin hops a cab with some of his other challenge athlete friends and goes to see her at the at the formal and i'm like yeah good for you pumpkin get the girl but also seriously pumpkin you can do so much better this girl is a whole fuck ton of problems a whole fuck ton of ableist drama and you can do so much better so kent sees pumpkin at the ball and he sees him come in and is like oh oh i'm gonna fight him i'm gonna fight him and so he's like he decides to fight pumpkin like and pumpkin's like yeah let's go outside i don't know why pumpkin agreed to fight him they have they've they're we've we've not seen these two characters together at all throughout the film i don't know why all of a sudden they're fighting each other but pumpkin agrees to fight kent they go outside in this big like roundabout circle with all this dramatic music and and carolyn's like oh no stop he's disabled and he can't defend himself of course pumpkin's like fuck that and he wins the fight and he like punches ken out and lifts ken into a body slam and kent gets up and runs away like a wimp and is like oh no i lost and he runs away um and after pumpkin wins the fight Carolyn's like, okay, Pumpkin, let's go inside and dance at the dance. But the sorority girls won't let Carolyn and Pumpkin back at the big sorority ball because, quote, they are not an appropriate couple. Ew. What, what the, what the fuck makes somebody an appropriate couple? And so there are, there are all these tiny microaggressions throughout the film that weren't so tiny. They were really like jaded barbs about ableism and disability. And it just made me really, really upset. Even though it was a dark comedy and it was supposed to be satire, maybe, possibly, I still can't tell, but it really pissed me off. And also, no one asks Pumpkin what he wants to do. No one, Carolyn never says to Pumpkin, do you want to dance with me at the dance? He just kind of agrees to do it. And I think they made this disabled character much too flat, and it was problematic for me. So then after Kent loses the fight to Pumpkin, after they lo- after he loses, he gets into his car and he's so upset that he lost Carolyn in his whole life that he gets into an accident and he drives his car off the road and he then becomes a quadriplegic. And he's in the hospital and he blames Carolyn for becoming quadriplegic and he says, Oh no, now I'm just like him. What? wrong physical disabilities and intellectual disabilities are not the same thing and i mean that because they present differently i'm not saying that to perpetuate the hierarchy of ableism i'm saying that they're very different things and they should not be considered the same they're very different experiences so for him to say now i'm just like him fuck you kent i'm and there was a small part of me that when kent got paralyzed and and we realized that Kent couldn't walk anymore, I was kind of happy because I was like, great, now you get to experience ableism. In it. And I, part of me was like, good, you deserved this, you asshole. Um, but again, 
that's my own ableism showing up there because we shouldn't look at disability as some sort of punishment for being a bad person. Disability is just what it is. And so even though I felt happy for Kent, that shows my ableism and I have to grow there too. So then the rival sorority wins sorority of the year. Throughout the movie, they talk about wanting to win sorority of the year a bunch of times. Um, and then as Carolyn is leaving her sorority, she goes to the sorority sisters and says, what I did with pumpkin was against nature. And now everyone is suffering. I have to get my life straight. I have to leave school and go do something. And they they, keep, they just keep making these giant overtures to how being with a disabled person is making her life, her perfect little life, so hard. And so Pumpkin goes over to the sorority to finally be with Carolyn and see her, but they tell him that she left, and he's sad and he cries about it. And so then he goes over to see Kent, who's now paralyzed in a wheelchair, and they go and they, I guess, become friends because the next scene is... Kent and Pumpkin are together at the Challenge Games, and the beginning of the Challenge Games starts, and it felt really silly that Kent is at the Challenge Games, because I think the Challenge Games was meant to be, like, the Special Olympics for intellectually disabled people, so to have a person with non-intellectual disabilities be there kind of felt unfair, to the intellectually disabled folks? I don't know. So anyway, Kent is at the Challenge Games with them in his wheelchair. Um, and then Carolyn has to move in with these new people because she can't stay at the sorority anymore because she fucked Pumpkin. And she is with these new people at her new place, Missing Pumpkin. And they're talking to her about why she's there and what she's doing. And she's like, I wrote a poem about my life. Do you want to hear it? And her roommate's like, Sure, tell me. And she goes on about how she wants to change pumpkins into coaches, trying to make this, like, weird, thinly-veiled Cinderella reference, but it doesn't really go anywhere and feels super weird. Um, and then, so Pumpkin is at the Challenge Games with everybody, and he's running, he's running on the track and he, he collapses out of sadness for her and he's like I just want Carolyn I just want to be with her and then she shows up at the at the games um, and and he wins his Pumpkin wins his race and then at the end Pumpkin and Carolyn walk off together and everything is fine and then we find out at the end of the movie that his name is Jesse not Pumpkin they just called him Pumpkin um, and that was the movie I found it to be really weird, to be really disjointed, to be really not dark, just ableist and really problematic, and I wish that it hadn't been ever made. It was purely a trash fire. I did not like any second of it, and if you want to hate watch it with me, or if you did hate watch it with me, I hope you felt the same way. Why don't you write in to me at... at um disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and tell me what you thought about it because I thought it was horrible and I'm going to read some reviews of it right now to tell you what other people thought because one person with a disability thought it was great and I have to disagree but I'm going to read that to you now a disabled reviewer in 
the Independent said, If I could stand, Pumpkin would get a standing ovation. Gross. Because I don't think so. And even that reviewers said that all his other disabled friends thought the movie was utter trash and horrible. But this reviewer thinks the film, which they consider to be one of their absolute favorites, is a film I consider perfect in its imperfection. There are definite issues with the film. Yeah, ableism. However, the film blends all the vital ingredients of a dark comedy and grinds them into a stunning, almost painful perfection. No, no, this reviewer is horrible. I don't agree with them. Let me find some reviews that echo the sentiments I feel about the film. People had a lot of mixed feelings about the film. Some people said it went way too far, showing sex and disability in the movie, which they barely showed. Some people said it may just be their favorite movie of all time. I have to say, if I'm going to rate it, like, out of how many wheelchairs, I would say I would give this one minus five wheelchairs. And people said that it's supposed to be a satire, but I didn't feel satire. I felt like there was too much ableism here. Now, if one of the characters was actually disabled and they were making a point of playing with this as an actually disabled person... I might get on board with this, but because it was done through the lens of non-disabled people taking the piss out of disabled people and using disability as a plot point to move the able the able-bodied characters along and to give them a journey, I can't like this film. I just I really dislike it. I hate it. It makes my the ableist bone every ableist twinge in my body went off here. Every ableist red flag that I've ever had about media went off here and I couldn't stand the film. Didn't like it one bit. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I watched this trash trash fire of a film so you didn't have to. Um, super ableist, kind of horrible, and I expected better from Christina Ricci, quite frankly, because uh, she was great in Casper and she's pretty great in Yellow Jackets, so I'm disappointed by this. But... It was made 20 years ago, so my hope is that we've gotten a little further along with disability representation, but I don't even, I'm afraid to say we have, because I doubt we actually have. So that's how I felt about the movie Pumpkin, and um, I'll be back next week for another, on our final episode of this themed month of Great Flicks and Joysticks, I'm probably going to do Sia's hateful film music and get ready for that or whatever else I choose to watch next week. Thanks for listening, friends, and for shining a bright light on disability media with me right here on Disability After Dark. Bye! Alright, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and shining a bright light on disability stories with me. If you want to follow all my work and see all my links and all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head over to my new website, aagerza.com. And all my stuff is there. My social links are there. My website is there. My podcast is there. Everything is there. And you can follow along with the show that way. If you want to leave... A review for the show, please do so wherever you get your podcast. It really does help keep the bright lights shining on this show. 
if you want to support the show financially and get the show one day early, completely ad-free, as well as a shout-out on the air, consider pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll shine a bright light on disability stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.